Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been round Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had come for, risen from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who was it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary of Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had done what the things that he had said. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them, where he, that showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Philip Yancey, a Christian author, shares one of his earliest memories of Easter Sunday morning. He had just got a new little kitten called Boots. It was called Boots because it was completely black, except for white patches, uh, Boots, on, on the four paws. And it was on Easter Sunday morning that Boots first experienced the outdoors. It sniffed its first blade of grass. It battered it. The first daffodil, it stalked its first butterfly. And Boots entertained them for hours until the neighbor's kid came over for an Easter egg hunt with their dog. And then the unthinkable happened. The dog growled, charged, and before they knew what happened, the dog had the little kitten in its mouth, shaking it like a sock. The kid started screaming and jumping up and down, trying to chase the dog away, but it was too late. And Boots was dead. After a little while, the dog dropped the limp kitten onto the ground and trotted off. And he stood there, 
helpless. There was nothing he could do. And it was that day that he learned the ugly word, irreversible. That death is irreversible. He, he prayed for a miracle. Don't let it be. Please tell me it's not true. He wished he could erase the event. He wished he could have gone back in time. He wished he could have rewound and replayed the, the scenario, but without that horrible incident. Perhaps he could have kept boots inside. Perhaps they could have put up a fence to keep that dog out. Perhaps they could have... A thousand different scenarios went through his head. Again and again and again, over and over. And until eventually he came to the reality that Boots was dead and death is irreversible. And so we read in John chapter 20 and verse 1, early on the first day of the week while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples, goes to the tomb to, to pay her final respects, to, to deal with her grief. It's her way of dealing with the, the fact that death is irreversible. Yet something unthinkable happens. She saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. What could this mean? She runs off to go and call Peter and John, Jesus' two closest friends, and then the three of them run back to the tomb. There's more running in this chapter than the rest of the gospel put together. Peter's the first to go inside, the, the others follow later. And we read in verse 6 and 7, He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Someone had taken the body and unwrapped it. Why would you unwrap the body? Not only had they unwrapped the body, a complicated task in itself, but they had gone to great lengths to create an effect, to make it look as though the body hadn't been picked up and unwrapped, but that the body had just disappeared. And that the empty grave clothes had just collapsed in the very place that the body had been lying. What could this mean? Peter and John eventually go back home and leave Mary there by herself. And we read in verse 11 and 12, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. It was probably only afterwards that she realized these were angels. Verses 13 and 14, They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. She knows that death is irreversible, so she concludes someone has stolen the body. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? 
thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And when Jesus said the name Mary, which of course was a greeting and an invitation and a gentle rebuke, come on Mary, it's me, all wrapped up in one. But when Jesus said the name Mary, suddenly her eyes were opened to a whole new reality. Jesus had risen from the dead. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus rising from the dead changes everything. Everything changes. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead changes everything. The irreversible has been reversed. Death has been conquered. And Jesus offers the the, the promise, the awesome promise of reversibility. Nothing, not even death, is final. Everything can be reversed. Even death can be reversed. And what God did in that graveyard in Jerusalem, God can and will do on a grand scale for you, for your loved ones, and for the whole world. For Jesus has opened up a door for for those who have put their faith in Him to experience new life, freedom from death. And the irreversible becomes reversible. But what exactly do we mean when we say that Jesus rose from the dead? Jesus rose from the dead. What exactly do we mean? Now, there are two misconceptions. Firstly, We're not talking about resuscitation. When we say Jesus rose from the dead, we're not talking about resuscitation. Many people have died and have been resuscitated. They've been brought back to life either by medical intervention or or by miraculous intervention. In John chapter 11, for example, Jesus miraculously brings Lazarus back to life. But in all these cases... All these cases of a person being resuscitated, they eventually die. They may go on to live for many, many years after being resuscitated, but they eventually all will die. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose into a whole new existence and a whole new life. When he rose from the dead, when he came back from the dead, he didn't come back to this life. He went beyond death and experienced a a, a whole new reality, became a new creation, a new humanity. A humanity that doesn't get sick or decay or die. A humanity that lives forever and never dies. So we're not talking about resuscitation. Secondly, we're not talking about a spiritual rising. When we say Jesus rose from the dead, we don't mean that his spirit went to heaven. You see, the the, the Jews believe that every faithful person who dies, that their body would go to dust and their spirit would return to heaven. They believe this for everyone. 
So when they say Jesus rose from the dead, they clearly mean something more than a person's spirit going to heaven. Jesus says to Mary in verse 17, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. When Mary meets with Jesus, Jesus says, I have not yet ascended to the Father. I have not yet ascended to heaven. Yet Mary says in verse 18, I have seen the Lord. She has seen the risen Jesus. The sure fact that Jesus says in verse 17, Do not hold on to me, implies that he's not spiritual, that he's physical, he's able to be held on to. The tomb was empty. This is a physical rising from the dead. Also, when Jesus meets up with the disciples later that evening, we read in verse 19 and 20, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. They could see and touch the scars on his hand and his side. This was a very physical Jesus. In other passages, we read how Jesus ate food and drank with his friends. So this is not a spiritual rising. This is a very physical rising. Now, although it is a physical rising, it's not a natural physical rising. It's a supernatural physical rising from the dead. Okay, what do I mean by that? When Mary meets with Jesus, initially she doesn't recognize him. And then she does. Why? Because he's the same and yet he's different. It's the same body. The tomb is empty. It's the same body. But yet the, the grave clothes just fall off him. It's the same body, but it's been transformed into a new humanity. He has a supernatural body that will never decay or die. Likewise, when Jesus met up with the disciples that evening, they too only really recognized him when they saw the scars on his hands and his side. It's the same body, it's got the same, he's got the scars to prove it, but yet he's able to get through locked doors. It's the same body, but it's been transformed into a whole new humanity. He has a supernatural body that doesn't. Experience sickness, decay, or death. It lives forever. This is part of the significance about why all of this happened on the first day of the week. Why Jesus rose on the first day of the week. This is the first day of God's new creation. But what exactly changed? When Jesus rose from the dead, everything changed. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead changes everything. But what exactly changed? What exactly did Jesus achieve for us? Well, firstly, Jesus opened up the possibility for a new intimate relationship with God. Jesus says to Mary in, in verse 17... Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead 
to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Because of Jesus rising from the dead, the disciples' relationship status with Jesus and with God has fundamentally changed. It has radically changed. They are now part of the family of God. You see, this is the first time, or put it this way, up until this point in the Gospel of John, Jesus has always referred to his followers as disciples, servants, or even friends. And he's always referred to God as my God, my Father. This is the first time in the Gospel that Jesus refers to them as my brothers. And he refers to God as my God and your God, my Father and your Father. They are suddenly part of the family. They are suddenly brothers and sisters with Jesus. They have experienced a new birth, and now they are the intimate children of God. How has that happened? Well, on the cross, Jesus took All our sins upon himself. Jesus dealt with the consequences of our sinfulness and our self-centeredness. Jesus dealt with everything that separates us from God, our guilt and our shame. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he defeated it forever. So that we can now receive the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, that we can experience new birth and become Jesus' brothers and sisters, and become the intimate children of God. And Jesus has opened up the possibility for everyone to become the children of God by simply turning to God, putting your trust and your faith in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? We can all be part of God's family. We can all become the intimate children of God. Everyone is welcomed. Everyone is invited. Secondly, Jesus opens up the possibility of a new humanity that lives forever. Because Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. Because of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, now the irreversible has been reversed. Death has been defeated. And Jesus opens up the possibility for us to experience a whole new life and reality, to become a new creation, to become a new humanity, to experience a new birth, to experience, become a humanity that doesn't see sickness and decay and death, a humanity that will live forever and ever, a humanity that will have no flaws or imperfections. And this is open to anyone who would put their faith in Jesus. The interesting thing is, in the new creation, everyone's going to have a a perfect, flawless body, except for one person. Only one person is going to have scars, and that's Jesus. The scars on his hands, and his feet, and his side. An eternal reminder to us of the cost of our salvation. Thirdly, Jesus opens up the possibility of a new joy in the midst of fear. 
We read in verses 19 and 20, On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. The disciples are hiding in the house with locked doors because they are afraid. They are afraid of the Jewish religious leaders who had Jesus killed, and they are afraid that they are going to be next. But then they see the risen Jesus, and that changes everything. They experience peace and joy, a profound sense of joy. You see, within life there are many heartaches and hardships. And often we will cry like Mary cried. But in the midst of those hardships, we can experience hope because Jesus rose from the dead. The irreversible was reversed. There are now no more irreversibles. Nothing is irreversible for God. Therefore, in the midst of heartache, Our despair can turn to hope. Our fear can turn to faith. And our sorrow can turn to joy. A profound sense of joy. Getting back to our disciples on that first evening. On one sense, nothing had changed. The Romans still occupied the land. The Jewish religious leaders still wanted to kill them. Evil and death death still reigned outside. They would still suffer and die. But on another sense, everything had changed. The irreversible was reversed. And they experienced a profound sense of joy in the midst of hardship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we stand in awe, our mind boggles as we are confronted with the impossible. We know death is irreversible, yet you reversed it, you conquered it, and you did that for us because you love us and you want a relationship with us and you have a plan and a purpose for our life. And so, Father, we stand in awe this morning at what you've done for us. We thank you that we have a hope. And it's not wishful thinking. Jesus rising from the dead proves that it's not wishful thinking. It's a sure and a certain hope for those who have put their faith in Jesus that we too can experience life, true life, new life, everlasting life. And so, Father, we come before you and we worship you, we thank you, and we declare we love you. And we want to share your love with everyone. And so we pray that your spirit would come into us afresh. That we would experience that new birth. That we would experience that, that intimate relationship with you. That we would know that we are your children. That our future is secure. That we have an incredible hope. And that we can experience a profound sense of joy even in the midst of hardship. Thank you Lord Jesus for all you've done for us. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.